0: From the Book of Revelation, chapter two, verses one through seven and eighteen eighteen through twenty-eight. To the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and f- have found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love for me you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, and do the works you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the words of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thetira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not heard what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when the earthen pots are broken in pieces... Even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give to him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of God.
1: <clears throat> Just wanted to say, especially to freshmen and first years, congratulations, because you have made it to your second week of college. You have persevered. Give it up. Yeah. You have persevered. You have made it. Like maybe you dropped a class or three classes just to make it to this point, but you're still here. And there's a lot to be said for just still being here. Um, my this guy who's like sort of my father in the faith, a uh, pastor that I um, worked with, his life motto. Is a great life motto, and I would submit it to you to adopt it. And it's perseverance beats zeal every time. You get that? Perseverance beats zeal every time. Um, that's a great life motto. It's a very thoughtful motto. And it's also, I think, a good one to have because it's sort of the motto of the book of Revelation, which we're, which we're reading through together. The whole point of Revelation is all of these amazing images that are telling the church, hey, just hang in there with Jesus. Just make it to the end. In the early church a couple thousand years ago, there was a lot of really hard things that pressed in on the church and made it very easy to sort of just um, fall away from Jesus. And the point of Revelation is just persevere. Hang in there. Um, And falling away from Jesus can take a lot of different sort of forms. And tonight what I want to do is look at these two churches. Jesus comes and he speaks, he writes letters to two of these churches, ancient churches in what is now Turkey. And in some ways they're very similar. Jesus commends both of them, but in some ways they're very different. And... What this really is, is, if you've watched Friday Night Lights, which I hope you all have, so that you can be well-rounded American individuals, if you, in fact you are American individuals, and um, I, I love Friday Night Lights. Coach Eric Taylor is like who I want to be um, in a lot of ways, um, and uh, this is, this, these letters are like a Coach Eric Taylor halftime speech. Or he's saying like just hang in there for you know you know he always says like listen up like listen here he's always saying there's a there's a compilation online of him just saying listen Uh, it's great (laughs) but he's saying just hang in there for thirty more minutes give your all for thirty more minutes and we're gonna we're gonna pull this thing out and of course if you watch Friday Night Lights you would know if you're going to persevere to the end you need two things you need to have clear eyes. And full hearts, right? And if you have clear eyes and full hearts, you can't lose, right? I'm not so old that my TV references are totally lost. Thank you. I have them on the DVD if you would like to borrow. So so with the the two churches tonight, in order to persevere in Jesus, you need clear eyes and you need full hearts. The first church, the church at Ephesus has clear eyes, but they don't have full hearts. And here's, here's what I mean. Um, Ephesus was one of the great cities back in the day. It was an amazing city. It had this temple to a goddess called Artemis um, that was one of the great, was one of the seven wonders of the world back in the day. It was a very important city, very metropolitan, very posh place. And the, uh, this was a, a sort of a thinking center of the world. So the Christian church, which had maybe existed for like 50 years total, At this point, it's clearly a minority presence in a place where nobody really believes the same thing that they do. Okay, it's hard for us to maybe understand that most of you guys grew up in a very American southern context where just the name Jesus and Christian ways are very well known. But they were very much a subdominant people uh, in Ephesus. And so how do they respond to living in a world where other people don't believe the things that they believe? Well, look, look at me in in the passage. Uh, Look at verse two. He says, Jesus says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. And I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and haven't grown weary. He's like, hey, you guys are doing great. An area that you're particularly doing great in is that you don't suffer sort of false teaching in the church. Okay, you have clear eyes. You're you're on the lookout for people that might come into the church and teach things that are contrary to Jesus. Okay, he's like, you've got your theology straight. You've got your heads on. Right. But he says in verse four, this I have against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. He's saying, look, you, you kind of believe the right things, you know the right things, you're vigilant about those things, but your love is cold. You're not a church that has warmth and love. And maybe you guys have maybe been in a church like that still today. These, it's like they're writing, he's writing the churches today. I, I like to think that uh, the Ephesians are like the Malfoy family of the church. Um, if you have read Harry Potter again, come on. Um <laughs> Uh, The Malfoy's care deeply about magic. Okay, they care deeply about the history and the lineage of magic, about doing it the right way, about observing all the old customs. But they are not nice people. In fact, they're very, very unkind people and they treat people badly. And Jesus's point to the Ephesians is um, you may have a thorough, sharp theology, but you've lost your love. Um, so if, if there was a song to pair with this from the new Bieber album, um, I, it would probably be Love Yourself, I guess. Um, like if you like the way you look that much, baby, you should go and, and love yourself. Um, uh, that They've become very happy and prideful about where they are. We're going to get back to them in a second. But the second church at Thyatira, if Ephesus has clear eyes, but they don't have full hearts, that means that they have convictions. They're strong in their convictions, but they're very soft in their compassion. Does that make sense? Um, the church at Thyatira is the opposite. The church at Thyatira has full hearts, but they don't have clear eyes. They have compassion, but they don't have conviction. Okay. Um, Thyatira was very different than Ephesus back in the day. Thyatira was a town, it was a blue collar town where people manufactured things and traded them. And um, if you wanted to get ahead in the world and your business to do well, basically you join like the Rotary Club or like the Lions Club of the day, you know, I guess that's what those things are, right? Um, They're like clubs of people that get together. Um, But the difference is that those guilds, these trade guilds had like deities attached to them. So like... You would go to, like, the Wednesday night Rotary Club meeting, and you may, like, sacrifice animals to, like, the deity of your particular Rotary Club. And then you would eat the the meal together, and everyone would say, your God gave this to you, right? Um, Or you might go to, like, Lions Club on, like, Tuesday morning, and there would be, like, religious sexual rite. So they would have, like, temple prostitutes. It's probably not the same as, like, the of old. You know, Rotary Club, I hope. Um, it might be. It's statesful, um, Just outside Charlotte. Uh, and like everyone would be literally just having this huge sexual encounter together. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure. Like, look, if, if you are a person that belongs to Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but you want to be successful in your business and like feed your family. You have to sort of go and be part of these things that are very contrary to the way Jesus has called you to live. So how how did they respond to living as a minority uh, culture within a huge pagan culture? Look at verse 19. Jesus says to Thyatira, he says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. He's saying, look, you are full of love. I love how you're treating people. I love that you're serving people and you get better with time. You're growing in love and in compassion. Um, But he says in verse 20, this I have against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Um, I I read a quote about Shirley Chisholm the other day. Shirley Chisholm was the first African-American woman to be in Congress in America and the first African-American woman actually to run for the nomination of a major party in America back in the 60s. She's an amazing woman. She died about 10 years ago. Um, But I read a great quote about her where they said, Shirley didn't go along to get along. Right? If there were things that compromised her integrity and her principles and her values, um, she didn't do them just to get ahead. And really, the church in Thyatira is going along to get along. They're like, if you want to, you know, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs, man. And uh, Eugene Peterson puts it this way: What Jesus says, he says, "Why do you let that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, mislead my dear servants into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I'm about to lay her low, along with her partners, as they play their sex and religion games." Jesus is coming to Thyatira and saying, "Look." Um, Your convictions matter. Jesus is saying, I care deeply about your life and how you live, the decisions you make, how you use sex, how you use your body, how you use food. And those things matter deeply to me. You can't just love Jesus and then just live however you want. They're in many ways the opposite of Ephesus. They have a settled compassion and love and warmth, but they have gone along With the world. And it's interesting when I think about our campus, or I think about this campus in general. Some of you guys are new to campus, so um, you maybe probably don't realize that campus changes a lot in like a short amount of time. This is my fourth year at Appalachian, um, and in those four years, this campus in many ways has shifted from sort of a, a Thyatira to more of an Ephesus. Like it used to be sort of like, especially even farther back, five, seven, eight years ago. Um, As long as you, you know, like are nice and you treat people with respect, like you can just, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. Right. That used to be how it was like, um, you know, they're more thyatira. but now like we have become, I think in a lot of ways, it's a good correction. We've become more conviction based. Um, this is like sort of the whole genius of like the idea of microaggressions. Right. And it's that you can really have great intentions and, like, mean well and be a nice, good person and still, like, really hurt people and, like, do the wrong thing. Like, it doesn't matter, like, how, like, compassionate you are. You can still do the wrong thing. For example, uh, microaggression example in my family today. Um, uh, there, my wife was at Walmart. Forgive. And, um, and uh, she was backing out our, uh, it's a 2006 Honda Odyssey, and uh part of the bumper got ripped off on the snow cone truck which is a true story um anyway as she was backing out which is also in the Walmart parking lot um as she was backing out of her space an older gentleman came along to the side of her van and instructed her how to back up the van and as she was doing so he assured her that she was doing a great job um Okay, like, no doubt the dude is compassionate. He's a nice guy. He's literally just trying to help. But in the process, he is insulting my wife's driving capacity. She's been driving for 20 years. Um, He's insulting her driving ability because she's a woman, and she's in the car with kids, right? Um, In a lot of ways, he is asserting himself as more um, capable, than she is, because she's a woman. And this is a small thing, right? She was like, I just smiled and said thank you because I didn't want to be a bad word that I won't say in front of you. And, uh, and she's like, what is the world our children are growing up in? Because we have three daughters. Okay. Um, we are comfortable in a lot of ways con- with conviction. Um, the church in Thyatira wasn't. If there was a Bieber song that you wanted to pair with Thyatira... Um, I would suggest The Feeling, which is my favorite song on the new Beaver album. Um, and, of course, you all know it. Uh, it says, am I in love with you or am I in love with the feeling, right? Um, and sort of the question for the church at Thyatira is, hey, are y'all in love with Jesus? Or are you in love with the feeling that Jesus can give you of being, like, very loving and warm and compassionate? Okay. So my question for you, and that was just sort of appreciate you letting me be a little teachy there. Um, my question for you is, are you more of an Ephesian, like comfort, like conviction without compassion? Or are you more of a Thyatira, which is like compassion, love, not so much on conviction? Um, because basically, whether you're here and you're a Christian or not, and there's no, there's every assumption that tons of people in the room are trying to figure out this thing, even if you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't know I'm on the inside. Um... We tend to think that those are the two only the two things you can be. You can be a person of conviction. That typically is someone that's considered a conservative person, right? People that care strongly about their convictions. Or you can be a compassionate person. This is what we typically call a progressive person, right? Culturally, we have completely bifurcated into these two worlds of conviction or compassion. And um, actually, what when you look throughout the, the world... And you look at philosophy, I'm, uh, I'm sure Jordan could help me with this if I asked her. If you look at philosophies and religions, um, t- they tend to fall into compassion or conviction camps. Okay. Um, if you think about this, leaders in the world. Um, and I, I would submit to you that we are all longing for someone to show us how to be both completely true to our convictions That yes, things are right and things are wrong and there should be justice. And someone to also be completely compassionate to everyone regardless of those convictions. And I can't find that anywhere else in the world except for one place. And that place is in the cross of Jesus. And and I'll tell you why. This is really... If you're coming tonight and you're like, what is the, the Christian thing all about? The beauty of the Christian message, of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And what makes it completely unique in the world is that in the cross, at the center of this religion, you have complete compassion and complete conviction. Because at the cross, what you have is is God himself. God who created everything, who called everything, who is completely powerful. He's everywhere all the time. He can do anything he wants. He knows everything. And he becomes a human Which, if that sounds like rote to you, it shouldn't. It's super weird um, that God himself would become this, one of us. And he comes down, and he is powerfully settled in his conviction. The fact that the cross exists at all shows us that how we live matters a lot. Okay, The, The ways that we have hurt people, the ways that we've hurt ourselves, the ways that we've misused sex... The ways that we have gossiped, even today. Um, how we have tried to live like we are God. Uh, the ways that we live only, only for ourselves. And then try to, uh, you know, we, we, we do something for ourselves and then try to cover it up with something that seems very virtuous. And really, the millions of microaggressions that we commit against God where we say, Yeah, but I know a little bit better how to run this thing than you do. Uh, Jesus doesn't just let it slide. He doesn't say, it's going to be fine. You, you just, you do you. Um, he says, no, there must be a reckoning. Because justice is real, and it's true. He won't budge on that. He is full of conviction. Yet, he is overflowing with such a settled compassion that he can't let that reckoning fall on you. He says, the reckoning is going to come, but it will not fall on you. So he takes the cross and he says, Father, lay the reckoning on me. And at that moment forever, mercy triumphs over justice. So that conviction is upheld and satisfied and compassion overflows for you and for me. And if you're here tonight and you're in Ephesians, you're someone that's strong on convictions and soft on compassion. Um, we need the cross to give us full hearts. Um, and I, just for a moment, I want you to consider Ephesians. I want you to consider your daily rhythms, your rhythms just of today, of the past week. Um, what do you spend considerable amount of time, amounts of time thinking about, um, and obsessing over that never would have brought you to Jesus in the first place. Is that, you know what I'm saying? Like issues that you are so completely entrenched in, you determine your friends by, that if that if that issue was front and center tonight, you never would have come to Jesus. Um, Jesus doesn't come to you and he doesn't come to the church in Ephesus and say, stop caring about that stuff. He doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say, okay, well just, just stop caring about be having a robust idea of God and who he is. He says, no, that's great. Um, but he says to them, he says uh, in uh, verse five, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Remember what captured you. If you know Jesus, remember what captured you for Jesus in the first place. Namely, that he goes to the cross to give you mercy and compassion. Um, that he doesn't despise the cross. that He doesn't lay it on you, but he takes it for you. That is the kind of stuff that will keep you from retreating into a little comfortable huddle. Sometimes that huddle can be RUF. Um, where is your love cold? Is, is, is the question. Come to Jesus and have your heart filled anew, afresh. He loves to do that. Um, and, and for you that are thyatyrons tonight... This is me, I think I'm more in this category. I think I came into Appalachian as an Ephesian, and Appalachian has molded me so much that I'm now a Thyotyron. Um, and now Appalachian's mad at me because I'm a and they're back to being an Ephesian, but that's okay. Um, if you're here and you have a full heart, um, but you need the cross to clear your eyes, and this is what I mean. A good friend of mine in college, he grew up a, a Christian person, and he's one of actually the people that actually led me to Jesus. And our senior year, he started to sort of become very self-indulgent in how he used alcohol, how he used his body, um, how he used his time. And our pastor called him and he was sort of famous for leaving these like epic voicemails. Um, They were like 10 seconds long and like made everything like you question everything. Anyway, he called him and he said, hey, man, um, you're married to Jesus. He's like, be faithful or give the ring back. Um, and that, that's hard words. Like, this is hard words. I mean, Silas was reading it with the right tone of voice. These are hard words for us, but that's said in love. Um, consider your daily rhythms, your daily practices, your weekly convection. Where is your love without conviction, um, without real concern and care? for yourself and for those around you that that you love? Are you just affirming everything to get along so that no one will think you're that person? Um, Where is your concern? Um, Come to Jesus for fresh vision. Uh, He loves to give it. He gives absolute forgiveness at his cross and comes to refresh our vision. Only in Jesus can you find clear eyes and a truly full heart. And isn't that what you're longing for? Uh, May He give us grace to persevere, either for the first time um, or for the the most recent time in a long, long list. Let's pray, Uh, Father. Thank you um, for your kindness to us. Um, We confess, Father, that we we just don't know ourselves. Um, But some of us are really comfortable with conviction. Some of us are really comfortable just knowing the right answers and believing the right things. And holding everyone at arm's length. And holding you at arm's length. um, With our correctness. And some of us are just so afraid of being rejected. Or being thought poorly of. That we suppress our convictions. um, And we call it love. But it's not. Would you Jesus. By your cross. Hold it before our eyes. As we're about to sing. Hold your cross before our eyes. That we might see. Your compassion and love, and your conviction and care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it.